is so fatal. Now, don't take time off for Tuesday, first Tuesday. So if you have to work, go work. But if you have time and you don't work at that time, you know, you don't want to miss it if you have, a, a, if you have that time available. Anyway, um, uh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord, so good to see everyone. If you're new again, we want to l- welcome you one more time to Lincoln City Church. In fact, give him a hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but we know you're here and uh, glad that you could come. So anyway, and for the rest of you, uh, someone said, hey, Pastor, you've got to say something about the Huskers. You know, they won big time yesterday. Their idea, you know, I'm a good pastor. I did. You know, that's the way they're supposed to win every week, you know. So, but, but God is good nonetheless. Amen. So we're going to go to the Word of God today. And I want us to read from Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3. If you are a newbie in the Bible, that's a very fast book. And as you're pulling up your Bible and getting Genesis chapter 3 ready, I want to ask the class uh, for the 5th, and 6th, 6th, and 7th graders going on to the Understanding God class and also the special needs class can dismiss at this time. So if you got Genesis chapter 3, we're going to go on. And I'm going to continue uh, with, uh, with the series that we've been doing on friends. Um, uh, also, I wanted, uh, as, we, as we, uh, we're getting our Bibles ready, I want to actually introduce our newest member in the church here, born on October 9th to Doug and Sheila Woods. Baby Amelia, Janae Wood, over back there in the back, they have their little ones. So congratulations there. So October 9th, that makes that child only nine days old, and she's already in the service. Oh, come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Yep, that's great. So, um, uh, and as you notice, my wife is not here. Uh, she's, uh, Sarah's been uh, dealing with the flu, and we're going to pray for healing. And uh, so I came on uh, to church today with seven kids, uh, six kids. So one was left at home, but I brought six kids. So if you are a father and mom is sick, man, if Pastor Solo can do it with six kids, still preach and teach a class, man, you could do it with one kid. Yeah, I, I don't want any excuses from any guy from time on. And the kids are in class. I check right before I came in. Everybody's situated. Well, after the service, it's another story. We'll see. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> All right. I want to read from verse 1. This, this, it says this. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I have it on the, on the screen here. The serpent, was, uh, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did you really say, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden? Now, many of you remember that story, but I'm going to read it again. And some of you might not have actually read it. Uh, maybe some people, you've just had it narrated to you. Of course, we, uh, she said, uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, uh, the woman replied. And then, uh, it's only the fruit from the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. So God said, you must not eat of it, even touch it. If you do, you will die. You will die. You, she goes, he goes, he, you won't die. The first thing that, the, that the Satan does is that he, he questions the authority of God. And secondly, he also questions um, um, the credibility of God. He said, well, you won't die. God must have lied to you. That's what he's saying. He's like, oh, God said you will die? He goes, no, you won't really die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open 
as soon as you eat of it. And you will be just like God, knowing both good and evil. Now think about the audacity that he has here. May I also mention here, at this point uh, in the story, Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world. They lived in paradise. The Bible says that God had created man and woman and had put them in, the, in paradise. This was a world that was absolutely great. And you and I don't live in a perfect world. But yet, he was so audacious, he was so uh, strong, he was so um, um, persistent in questioning and undermining the authority of God. And it caused Eve to think twice about what she already knew. She knew what God had said. In fact, let me go back, uh, go back to uh, verse uh, 2 and see what God said. Verse two, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God placed a man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the, uh, uh, the tree of, uh, from every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask your blessing on your word. Speak to us today, Lord, and let us see you as you are, Lord. Uh, reveal to us uh, what you need us to see today. Encourage us and let your word not return to you void. Have it accomplished in our lives, each one of our lives, the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. So there was no question whatsoever what God had intended. But I, I want to read uh, verse 16 in chapter 2 again about when God says, but God, the Lord God warned him. And he said, you may eat freely from the tree, from the fruit of every tree in the garden. Now think about that. How is it that God had given them everything they all ever wanted? It did not start, God did not begin by saying, don't touch that. He began by saying, I have given you everything that you need. Everything. You can eat from any tree you want to. But except just one tree. There is something about us and our sinful nature. And in this case, they weren't even in a sinful nature until they are tempted by the devil. That we always look at the negative in life. We tend to forget the blessings that we have. And Satan has used the same system, the same scheme, time and time again, and it's worked. So it doesn't have to change. The plan works every single time. Have you ever met somebody and you talk to them, and they're so depressed about their situation, they're telling you maybe they're needing something. I don't know, you could pick any topic. It could be maybe money, it could be something at home, it could be Whatever. And they're so overwhelmed. But that need that they have. That is so strong in their lives. And completely forget all the blessings that they have. I think there's something that the Bible says. That when we approach God. Here's what the scripture says. That we should come into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. I think there's something to learn from that. 
David said that. When we come into his gates with thanksgiving, is that when we approach God, when we come in a place of worship like this, when we live our daily lives, every time we walk up, if our attitude is that which of thanksgiving, I tell you, if you start counting your blessing and begin to just verbalize it, what's in your heart, and thinking about it, and just telling God, thank you. And if you run out of stuff, just keep thinking. You would find that the strongest need you have will begin to pale and pale and pale and will become insignificant in the light of the goodness of the Lord in our lives. Jesus says we should never be surprised when we see trouble in the world. He says, in this world you shall see trouble, but you ought to not be surprised because trouble will come into the world. But he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. As Christians, we should never be surprised when we get tempted, when we get tested. I tell you, another lie that we see in this passage is the lie that Satan, go back to, uh, to uh, chapter 3 there. Uh, he says, uh, you won't die, really? The serpent replied, God knows that your eye will be open as soon as you eat of it. And you will be just like God knowing both good and evil, enticed her with knowledge. Wow, you're going to be brilliant. You're going to be so smart. You're going to be just like God. Now that was a lie straight from the pit of hell. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, When the Lord God formed man, he created man in his own image and according to his own likeness. Eve and Adam were already created like God. Why do we fall? Why do we fall to these traps all the time? Because Satan is the father of lie. He uses deception. And when we fall into it, then we give him authority of our lie. And I tell you, I don't want to glorify Satan, but I also don't want to be naive about it. He's been around for a long time. He's seen... The human race over the ages. And sometimes we undermine his intelligence. And the Bible has a description of who he is. However, this is not a fear message. It's that we have a God who loves us. We have a God who has overcome the enemy. He says that those, um, um, he says that uh, no weapon passioned against you and us will prosper. If we stand in Jesus, We don't have to be afraid. We just need to know his ways. He uses deception. If we don't fall to the trap of deception, he has no power. He has no authority over your life. Jesus paid the price for you and I. He created us in his own image. He gave us everything we need. And the question here about um, uh, the tree, again, it's not that God was trying to withhold something. Okay? We've been talking about friendship. Let me, and, and I'll expand on that thought later on. We've been talking about friendship. We know that it was God's intent from the very beginning to create us for relationship, to create us for fellowship. In other words, we were not created for a task to perform. 
were created for a relationship to enjoy with the living God. The Bible shows it in the first chapters of the Bible that God will come to the garden and he will enjoy fellowship with Adam and Eve and they will have in the coolness of the day and he will talk to them and he will walk with them and they knew him. And you will see throughout the scriptures uh, different ones arose up in Genesis later on after the fall of man. There's a man named Enoch who the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he walked with God and he walked with God. He enjoyed the fellowship of God. He'd got to discover who God is. And the Bible says God loved him so much that Enoch would not even see death on this land that God would took took him alive because he enjoyed fellowship with God. God through the ages, you'd see different ones that would discover that. The man that's so significant in the Old Testament is Abraham. Because that man also walked with God. He believed God. He trusted God. He, he walked with him. And the Bible says that he had faith. And that to this day he's called the father of those who believe. And this was before the time of Jesus. And he walked with God. And God blessed him mightily because of his faith. And he trusted God. He had relationship with God. There is a unique, and I'm going to challenge you to do this study on your own because you can find, if you have a study Bible, you can learn a lot of things. You will find that many people in the Bible, as in the Old Testament, I'm not talking the New Testament, before the crucifixion of Christ, there is a unique beauty in, uh, uh, of people who actually had relationship with God. People who actually enjoyed the company of the Lord. God bless them mightily. There were people that made mistakes in their lives. But somehow God will redeem them because they discover something higher. They discover the intent of God is fellowship with us. God did not create us out of necessity. He didn't create us out of need. He just wanted to create us. He didn't have to make you and I. He wanted to. He didn't have to create anything for us. He wanted to. He didn't have to die on the cross for our sin to restore that relationship he wanted to. If you are in here, uh, in this planet by yourself, he'd still want to have that fellowship with you. And he's been wanting to call us. I mentioned Abraham. God said that Abraham was a friend of God. And, and, and Jesus later on in John fifteen fifteen talks about now when we come to Christ that he no longer calls us servants. Again, our job is not to procure. We're not here to just fulfill our task. He says, I call you friends. And so he wants us to, to restore that friendship with God that we can know him. In Isaiah, it says that those that know their God, they are strong and they shall do mighty things in the land. They shall do mighty exploits. Why? Is, what's the significance of knowing him? Um, you know, many people might know about God. You might know about him, but there's a big difference between knowing about him and knowing him. And God wants us to move from the realm of knowing about the Lord to actually knowing the Lord. And Jesus, through the blood uh, that, and the sacrifice that he made, he makes it available for all of us that we can approach God and get to know him. See, the Bible says when Jesus uh, was crucified, in the temple of the Old Testament, there was a divide where the high priest would be the only one that would go far, uh, once, uh, one time a year into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice of forgiveness. And in fact, they would tie a rope in his, uh, uh, in his uh, ankle. And uh, when he would go down there, because if he had any sin and God had not accepted the sacrifice, he'll fall dead. And, so when, and people will wait, just, with, just wait for the priest to come out. And if they come out, comes out, there's a celebration. And people are excited that their sins are forgiven. 
And if this trippist will be there for a long time and doesn't show up, doesn't show up, they'll know, ooh, we got some problems. And nobody wants to go in there. And they'll just pull that rope, pull that rope, and get him out and say, man, we need to repent. We need to sacrifice. And the Bible says that we no longer have to do that because that curtain was cut asunder. And the door is open for every human being that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ that they can have fellowship. They can have an audience with God Almighty. Do you know how incredible that is? Oftentimes, we talk to people. uh, We get frustrated with people when we are having issues in our lives. And the very one who wants to help us, the only one that is capable of helping us, is saying, why won't you just come and talk to me? Amen. He wants, he has an open door for relationship with us. Now, um, uh, and the other part is, when we come to enter into that place of relationship, if you could go with my slides there, um, uh, I just wanted to summarize those three. Um, uh, friendship with the Lord, friendship with other believers plays a big role in us together. Church is so important. Small group is so important because we were never designed to do it uh, alone. See, when, the, when, uh, when God saw Adam by himself, he said that it was not good for man to be alone. And I know we use that in marriage, but I think uh, Adam represented the whole human race. It's not good for any human to be alone. You don't fight your battles alone. You don't walk alone. If you try, good luck to you. And you might feel, think you have a very good life, but you're going really beneath all that God has for you. And as believers, that's why we come together. And we, we, we strengthen each other. We walk with each other. We encourage each other in faith. And we, we develop new friends. I remember when I, when I came to the Lord as a teenager, I was 16 years old. And as I said earlier, I, was a, I, was a, <clears throat> I thought I was a popular kid, but I knew everybody and everybody knew me. <laughs> and so I had a, a cluster of friends, so many friends. Uh, and I don't know, even before Facebook, you know, that was before Facebook, by the way. Uh, I wish it wasn't before Facebook, but I think I would have been in trouble when I was 16. If I had Facebook then, I think I would have been just in trouble. But uh, thank you, Lord. That's uh, after the fact. But I remember when I started getting really following the Lord and, 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 and pursuing God. There are some of my friends that came to God, to Christ, came to follow Christ. But there are some that started avoiding me. Because I wasn't interested in the stuff they wanted to do. And I was always the party pooper. I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to go to Bible, Bible study. <laughs> you know, so your friends thinking, man, what happened to you? And you know, uh, for a lot of people, when they start walking with God, they want to get their lives back with God. Many times there are sacrifices that they have to make. And it can be a very lonely place. You had all these friends and now they don't want to hang out with you because you've become religious. Or they just your, your life is reminding them of the changes they need to make in their lives. And they don't want that confrontation. And so sometimes I meet with Christians sometimes, like, well, I don't want to do small groups, so I, I don't need it. Well, they might not say that bluntly to a pastor, but they think it by, uh, and say it with their actions. Because we are so consumed in thinking about us. And not realizing that God is wanting every one of us to be a part of helping the ones that are coming to Christ begin to develop new friends. Friends play a huge role in your life. 
friends can determine whether you spend eternity in hell or in heaven. Because they have such uh, uh, power and influence over us, whether we want to admit it or not. And so when we talk, uh, we encourage people getting in small groups and believers getting together. It's not just for you. In fact, don't even think about it for you. You will benefit from it, no doubt about it. But how about be, uh, becoming that friend to that brother, to that sister who's decided, hey, I don't want to walk that road any longer. I want to serve the Lord. And now all of a sudden, I had 50 friends. Now I have none. You see the role? And God designed it so that people can come to Christ and be able to develop those meaningful friends. And I remember um, as, life, as, as life went on and I continued to serve the Lord, I was faithful in the church. I was involved in small group. I, w- I was loving Jesus, serving at the church. Over time, I started making new friends. I didn't even see it happening. But when I look back, I thought, wow, I have a lot of friends now. And all these friends were all positive. They were, we were encouraging each other to grow. And you know, to this day, all my friends that became so close are friends that I met at church. We still meet. Um, uh, I know even last year I was in the Washington, D.C. for a conference. Another friend of mine is working in Washington, D.C. We spent some time. It was like we, we hadn't seen each other for almost 10 years. And we served the Lord together. A story, uh, his name was Joe. In fact, he came when we had transition uh, for the church here. And a story with him, we were doing sound. We were helping with the sound at the church. We had this church. Our church was meeting at a stadium. We didn't have a, a building. A church of about four, 5,000 people. And so we were like a lot of kids, uh, young people, serving in the morning way early. Um, uh, we were at church at 5 in the morning. Going into the church office, we had to set up every morning because we didn't own the stadium. But sometimes I'll have soccer uh, matches there. And they would, uh, um, uh, people will drink, leave all their beer bottles, whatever it is at night. And then we'll come in the morning after our service. It was an unholy place at night. In the morning, it's a holy place will sanctify the place. But we were out there setting up the speakers, you know. It was like for a big event, we will set up, we'll have this scaffolding uh, that we will set up and lay the speaker. We did that every Sunday. And what was funny is a, a, a bunch of young people or with a couple leaders, we would be there at five in the morning setting up, setting up the speakers and, uh, and, and everything. And so when the worship team came, the pastors came, church will go on. And we would watch people come in and we had two services People drive in, they're just so happy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is just so good. I only missed the first song, uh, but uh, I was in there anyway. And they'll come home happy. Bless the Lord. They go home. Second service comes in. They worship. They praise. They are so excited. Da, 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 da. And they go home. And then after the pastor dismisses and everybody's gone home, they're done talking to each other, enjoying the good fellowship of God people. They all go home. Then we start tearing it down. Stocking everything, loading it up on the truck, go to the church office 10 miles away from where the stadium is, load it up, um, uh, store everything nicely, put it all away, and, uh, and go home. Get home, sometimes without food, you're hungry. You, you, the hospitality team always had some food for new people, and we always loved it when there weren't as many visitors because there were some leftover sandwiches for us to eat. And so, <laughs> so it's like, hey, invite somebody. It's like, don't invite too many so we can, you know. And so we would go home, get home around 5. 
you know, because it was a big, it's a big city. So you're in many different suburbs. It takes you an hour sometimes to get home. And we do that year, uh, day after day, Sunday after Sunday, year after year. And people come, people are saved, people love the Lord, and we just see people blessed. And most people had no idea. They almost thought that that city was set up like that every, permanently. But people are serving. But I tell you, those friends that we served together, we had a bond that cannot be broken to this day. Yeah, we, can, we can meet each other. We haven't seen each other for 10 years. And we meet each other and it's like, wow, there's just something unique in serving together. We need, and, 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 and those are the times, uh, I remember even as a young person, sometimes you didn't have enough money to pay for the taxi cab to go home or to buy lunch. You're thinking, man, maybe I'll walk a long ways. And I walked a long way sometimes just to get home. Nobody knew. Even my parents didn't know. I couldn't miss it for nothing. There was nothing that would cause me to miss it at all. And I think those are the times where God was developing my character. God was developing me. Sometimes those long walks, getting home after a long service and serving, you know, you talk with God and God blesses you. And I tell you, God was so faithful. He was so good. I started learning about him in a country where unemployment for young people was like 80%. If you are a young person in your 20s or late teens, you might as well not even look for a job. And God would open opportunities for me. At 17 years old, I was working in a country where I had friends that had master's degrees that couldn't get a job. And God paid, I got good paying jobs and always serving. When you give to the Lord, you never lose. The Bible says, oh, that which is done in secret, the Lord rewards openly. And friends play a big role in the Lord to encouraging that. I don't think if we weren't having such a good time with our friends serving, maybe we would have given up. Maybe we would have gotten to where, well, what's with this church? Nobody else helps around here. I'm the only one that does all the work. And the pastors don't even thank us. Or whatever. And so people, so we become a martyr. Where we started in it with a good hurt. But I think what happened is we had such bond as friends that it was such a good time. I'm telling you, I was telling you that all we had such a, we had time of our lives serving. We became so good, but we were serving with friends. And I had a cluster of good, good, good friends. And I can tell you today, every one of those guys, every one of them, everyone that at least I've connected with from time to time, God has so marvelously blessed us professionally, with our families. We look back and thinking, it's the seeds that were sown in serving in the house of the Lord. But it became so much good and better because of serving it with friends. We were having a good time. I would go back and do it over and over and over again. Friends in the Lord. It starts with service. It starts with giving. It starts with walking. But also, if you've been a believer for a long time, remember that there are people that are coming to the Lord now. And when they make that call and decide, hey, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to pursue my, the purposes of God in my life. I don't want to go back to my old life. Those people many times lose their friends. And they need you and I. They need people like us to become just good friends to them. But in the process, never forget that those that are not with Christ, those that are lost, they will never come if they don't have friends that influence them that way. Always invite. Always invite your family, your friends, because they'll come 
they will find Jesus. But if we don't, if we're only thinking about us, many, many people, I hate to say it, but it is so true, will spend eternity apart from the living God. And we will go up there so excited to be in the presence of Jesus and think, why? Why was I so afraid? Why didn't I say something? And imagine how they would feel. Thinking, man, you should have done, you should have done, you should have pressed me harder. You know, friends press harder. If there's true friendship, they don't mind if you press them harder. They might be upset with you for a moment, but if they're friends, they'll understand. We need to be persistent. We need to be faithful. We need to invite people to the well of life. We need to invite people to Jesus. Bring him to the Lord. Amen? That's what friendship is for. So, um, uh, this week I spend, uh, uh, well, uh, in every relationship, so we talk about friendship. I want to go to the next point. In every relationship, the relationships of friendship, marriage, um, um, uh, any kind of relationship that has meaning, okay, is built upon, there are some foundations that are universal in building a relationship. And it's not different with our relationship with God. You could go to the next slide. Uh, Pastor Bonnie Bonifacio from, uh, you could do, um, from uh, the Philippines, Manila. He writes in his book, uh, The Logo Princi- Lego Principle, he writes, it gives out four different um, uh, uh, foundations or building blocks, if you would, for relationship. It says trust, love, forgiveness, and communication. I want to concentrate on one. I want to just pick the first one. Go to the next slide, please. Um, uh, the f- next one is trust. Next slide, please. It'll be great. Um, um, maybe it's frozen. Okay. So anyway, that's supposed to be trust, okay? I don't know if, we go, if give, God gives us permission sometime or an opportunity, we could look at the other ones. But right now, I just want to talk about trust. Because trust is the main foundation that, for every relationship. Um, uh, there are many things we can make. We, can make, we all are... Humans, we all make mistakes. We all are sinners. And, uh, and we will make mistakes. And you can forgive mistakes. But when someone loses trust, you just don't gain it back easily. You must earn it. And so trust is so important because when it's lost, it takes so much more to be restored. Now, I could uh, transgress, I'm using uh, a heavy word of like, I could hurt your feelings. I could do something that is dislikable to you. I could do, I can make you upset. I can make you frustrated with me. And and I'm saying this even for relationship, for husbands and wives and friends. But when trust is broken, that relationship is injured and there's a good chance that it might never be restored. It's possible, but it might never be restored. So trust is so important to protect that. That people know, hey, I know you failed, but don't lie to me. Be authentic with me. Be genuine with me. Okay? And with God, we need to establish that trust. If we're going to be friends of God, God wants us to trust him. Now, going back to the story I read earlier in in Genesis. So the Lord God talks to Uh, Adam and Eve, and he gives them everything that they could possibly need to have a good, enjoyable life, 
to enjoy fellowship with God and with each other, to enjoy all of creation. And God tells them only one thing not to do. He says, you can eat from every tree, except for that one tree. Do you think that really it was about the tree? No, it was never about the tree. You know what it was about? Trust. For trust to be established, trust has to be tested. For faith to be really faith, faith has to be tested. Peter said later, uh, do not be surprised when you are tested, when the testing of your faith. Because our faith will be tested. This is when our faith is tested, it produces patience. And when when we have patience, then we have endurance. And when we have endurance in that second real form, it grows us in our faith. So if you have faith in God, if you have trust in God, it will get tested. Because relationship is a two-way street. So God had to have an opportunity for Adam and Eve to just trust him. He wasn't withholding nothing from them. The Bible says that God withholds no good thing for those that he'll love him. He withholds nothing from us. Here's all where I want to, I'd like to think about it. Imagine you're a kid. <laughs> and your dad owns the mall. The mall of America. And you go to the mall and your dad says, Hey, kiddo, you can do anything in this mall. Play every video game. You can do anything. You can spend, take anything from the Apple store, the toy store, anything you want to do. The store, the mall is yours. Have fun. Enjoy. Just go crazy. But hey, but one thing, kiddo. You know that cotton candy uh, that's on that uh, gate number four there? Just don't eat the pink cotton candy, please, you know. Avoid that. Guess what the kid does? You get the point. God has given them the incredible, the whole universe, for their enjoyment, for their discovery. It was absolutely phenomenal. Adam was given the privilege to naming everything. Whatever he saw, he was given, and it would take all eternity if you would. It was not a boring life. There was an, it was an adventurous life of discovery that God had given them. Everything to enjoy. And guess what? The one thing. And, and the thing that hurt God is that they did not trust Him. If you're a parent, and maybe you asked, you, and you felt like one of your children or your kid did not trust you. You try to make them, but just trust me. And they did not. That, that hurts your feelings. I have little kids. And I know sometimes, some of them more than others, if I tell the kid to jump from the stairs out there, hey, yeah, you jump, just jump backwards, do a flip, I'll catch you. They'll do it. Why? They trust. They trust. Our relationship with God is built upon trust. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will strengthen. He will direct your path. God is looking for people that will trust him. He didn't say don't think. He said don't lean on your own understanding. He gave you the brain to think. He said, do be a zombie. Don't think at all. No, he says, I want you to trust me. The situation might look bleak. They might look like there's nothing. It's an impossibility. Nothing can happen. And God specializes on the impossibility. When he told Moses and the children of Israel to go to the place where he would show them to the promised land, he knew, he knew that the Red Sea was ahead. He created the Red Sea. They didn't know that. They just went and said, what are we going to do? The Egyptians are behind us. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And the water is in front of us. What are we going to do? You think that surprised God? No, it did not. But God wanted to see to it that they trusted. Because they could look on the back. And man, it was so horrible. The Egyptians were coming at them, wanting to destroy them. And they have nowhere to go. And God speaks to Moses and says, hey, take that rod. And God is a God who creates a way where there seems to be no way. You might be in a situation in your life, everywhere you look, everything, every strategy you can think of, uh, it is just so, looks so bleak, you think absolutely no way. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible to those that believe, to those that have faith, to those that trust God as it were. That's when you go back and say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I believe in the promises of God. Oh, I may not understand it. I don't even seek to understand it, but I know my God is good and he means to do me good. That all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. In Jesus' name. So we put our trust in the word of God, not what we see. I think uh, many times um, uh, we in America uh, have uh, fallen uh, to this temptation of the enemy of lying to us time and time again that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that we've got to take care of ourselves, that God, 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 God. if we don't, nobody's going to look out for us. And God has played such a good, uh, God, but Satan has played such a good job of keeping believers down. I would challenge you, just go overseas for a second. Go down to Mexico. And you'll stop complaining about the thing. So enemy wants you to depress when your life is so good. And you think, oh my gosh, I don't have the yacht that Donald Trump has. Maybe my... I know that's an exaggeration. But we get ourselves frustrated in comparing one to another and forget the goodness that we have been given by the Lord. Forgetting the blessings that we enjoy in this country that no other place has. I'm going to tell you that. Oh, they'll say, well, it's good in Europe. Oh, they have good, uh, free health care. I tell you, America is a unique country. And the enemy will get us fighting on each other, getting us divided on each other, thinking, oh, they are better off than we are. It's a lie. God has blessed us so much, and it's about time that the church stops 
falling into that trap of the enemy and begin to enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, getting people saved and finding Jesus and being content where they are and knowing that God is always faithful to those that put their trust in Him, that knowing that God is always going to be on our side. If we keep Him first, if we trust in Him, the Bible says that those who are in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, they are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Just as the mountains surround the city of the Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds the righteous. When we trust in Him, that we have a mountain of heaven angels around us, that we cannot be afraid. Though a war may encamp about you, don't be afraid. He said, I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In the name of Jesus, as long as we trust in Him and we walk in Him and we do um, His will, God will always protect us. God will always provide for us. God will always give us victory after victory after victory, no matter how crazy the situation around us might be. This week, uh, this actually today, is our renewal for our mission faith pledge. I spent a whole week in Florida, uh, Palm Beach, Florida, thinking, man, you're suffering for Jesus. Yes, I was. First time I went to Florida, and I only got to the ocean. Uh, I was only at the ocean one time, enough to just take a selfie to show off to my kids. I'm thinking, man, talk about it. But anyway, um, the next slide, I wonder, where was I in Florida this week? I'm meeting with, uh, uh, with uh, missionary pastors that we work and walk together, may, uh, church planters uh, all over North America and the Caribbean. And, uh, and I know, and, and it was the week, it happened to be coincide with the week where we do our mission faith pledge. For those that are new to Lincoln City Church, the mission faith pledge, we make a commitment to give to missions. Uh, every six months, we, 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 we pray about it. We write a commitment and decide, hey, and we encourage everybody to participate. And, uh, and so when we, um, uh, we, when we gather the, the commitments, we're able to see, assess, and decide, hey, this is what our budget would be with missions, and this is how much we can support this missionary or this work or this, this. And so today actually is that, one, that day that we, we do that. And uh, I, I want you to go to the next slide. This is a group of pastors that we were with the whole week. Uh, I see Pastor Jerry over in the corner there. And uh, all of these men uh, and women are serving the Lord. They, I tell you, in that room, you had engineers, you had uh, pharmacists, you had uh, computer um, uh, uh, professionals, you had medical professionals. Uh, every one of those men and women left what they were doing to answer the call of God to go and plant churches to go and, and preach the kingdom of God, to go and make disciples of all nations. And I tell you, I sit in the room and some of them shame me a little bit because some of these guys, like uh, uh, in the next slide there, uh, oh, no, actually go to the next one and then we'll come back to this. Sister Miriam, this is a missionary in, uh, in Veracruz, Mexico. We supported her when she was starting her church. She spent years in South America, came back to Mexico and started a church three years ago all with new believers, going in and preaching and witnessing and starting small groups and establishing a church in Veracruz. And that was three years ago when we started supporting her financially to get that work going. She has already started a second church since then. I tell you the dedication uh, to seeing the kingdom of God. And I think these guys, uh, they challenged me just being there and thinking, man, we are so much capable to doing more. And I thank God and I, and I, that uh, we are taking our next step. 
And uh, we are going to be planning a church in Crete. And that will not be the end of it. That will be just the beginning. And I know we've been preparing uh, with Pastor Chris. And uh, some people have already opened their home to start a small group there. And another small group. And another small group. And in 2016, we're going to get a church established in Crete. And there are many, many towns in our state that have, where they have dead churches. Churches that used to be. Places where Jesus had moved. The Spirit of God had moved. But right now, there's a spiritual climate in those areas that is absolutely dead. People will drive for hours. People that are hungry for God and are hungry for the Holy Spirit will drive for hours just to be in a church like this. And I think God, uh, this, uh, God is crying for those people. They don't need to drive that much. And I think we can infiltrate and invade this state and see spirit-filled churches planted all over this state. Can I get an amen? And that's what we're going to go for. And so, um, uh, and the, the, what makes this possible, uh, um, uh, um, what makes the church planning and even missions possible? It's multifaceted. We've got to pray. We've got to commit. We've got to... We've got to give. What's sad is to have someone with a heart to go. He says, yes, Lord, whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you send me, I will go. And they rely on the faithfulness of God's people to give so that they can continue to move on. All, all those people, they have families. They have kids. And, 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 other, and church is being faithful in giving. You know what we do? We are advancing the kingdom of God one life at a time. Don't you think for a moment that you're giving towards mission is just, oh, well, it's just giving to the church. It goes a long way. And I think when we go to heaven one day, we'll be surprised how much impact we can make just even by our faithful generosity in giving towards the gospel. Here's the thing. If you don't give towards the gospel, that money will find a place to go. If you wait till you have enough money to give, you will never have enough money to give. If you wait till oh, you meet all your needs before you can meet, you will never meet all your needs because Satan does not want you to give. He wants you to lean on your own understanding, try to protect self and thinking, oh, geez, um, uh, I, 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 maybe next time. And I wish I could tell you that giving goes nowhere. And to me, I'm in a place where I've known the Lord, and I see his purposes, and I love him. And if he says give to get nothing, I'll still give to the Lord. And we need to be in that place where it doesn't matter if we get anything back. We're just sowing because God says give, like what Pastor Dustin said. But I'm happy to tell you, but with the Lord, that's not it. He says there is rewards. There are rewards in your life. You're sowing blessing and you're sowing seed in your life that will come back and overtake your life when you give. Today I'm going to ask us to take our commitment. Did, we, did you receive a Mission Faith Pledge card? It's on the back. Can I, Ashes, did you get some? Of, we'll pass it around as I speak and we're going to pray. But I want to close. I, I want us to, I, I, in the past I've had people pray about this. And go home and think about it. And come and put an amount. Um, uh, I was challenged by God. And uh, if you can move to the other slides quick for me a little bit. I wanna, this is what we did the last six months. Could you scroll? Um, just keep uh, it's progressing and I'll talk about those things later. Keep moving. Just keep moving until we get to the numbers. 
Go ahead, get, get to the last slide. Keep moving, keep moving until I say stop. One more. Oh, okay, back. You had the right one. Go back one more. So, this was our total that was pledged the last six months. $1,946. $1,767 was given. That's what actually came in. Um, uh, our expenses was limited. We li- basically, we, we spent what we had. Now, I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear me uh, well. This last six months was the lowest we've ever given to missions at the church. It's the least we've ever given to missions at the church since we started doing the missions. That's not exciting. And if you are to do the numbers, we're pretty much, as a congregation, giving less than 10 bucks a month towards missions. Now, I was praying this week about this, and the Lord says, we're not going to reach the world like that. We could desire but we're not going to do that. And I want to challenge every one of us. And God showed me what was happening. When we take the mission place, sometimes we go out and uh, we want to give, and then we go and we forget about it. You know how the scripture says that the word of God comes like a seed, and then different seeds fall on different grounds. Jesus gives that analogy, and he says that sometimes the seed falls on thorny uh, soil and, uh, and, the, uh, and the thorns and thistles come and choke up the plant when it starts and some fall on a flat ground and the birds come in and eat it up and all that. And the Lord showed me that that's what's been happening in our church these few months. Is that people, it's not that they don't want to give, but there's so many distractions that come where the enemy eats up that seed and we forget and we're not sowing seed to the kingdom. And I want to challenge us today, we're not going to give the enemy an opportunity to come and steal the seed. I want us to give in faith. Let's take that mission paper. Let's turn the numbers upside down. The other thing that it tells me, we won't give in 10, uh, 10, 10 bucks a month each, no. What it tells me is that there are few people that are faithful, that are giving, and some are not. If we all participated, we don't just give something rational, give in faith. I know, I already know what I'm going to give. And for us, you think the pastors don't go through this? We do. When I took up the job of the senior pastor, I had a business. And I don't have time to put into my business. And so a lot of our income came from, we make a lot of money from the business because of raising all these kids we have. And our income was affected. And I could give out of rationale, but we still give in faith. And we've never seen the Lord leave us. The Bible says that I was young. This is David narrating. And now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Neither their children begging bread. And I have the same testimony. God is so faithful. Let's get serious. Let's give with our money. Because where your, heart, where your, fire, your treasure is there, your heart shall be also. Let's take it to the enemy. And I'm just challenging the church today. Let's go crazy. And I'll be so excited to announce what our pledge is. Everybody, if everyone just push one and says, you know what, I'm giving by faith, I'm pledging by faith, let's see mission start. We don't want any, when we start that church in Crete, we want it to be fully provided for. Come on. And be able to plant other churches from that. Let's, so what I'm going to do is we worship. You, if you haven't decided the amount, you decide before you leave. Put it down, drop it in the box, and we'll report to you what the pledge is.
And let's see God bless. I promise you, you will see the windows of heaven open for you. And God is faithful. Stand up with me. Do you receive the word of God? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your generosity to us. The most important gift that you've given us is the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. You said in your word that there is no greater love than this, than a man to give his life, to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus, you showed him the best example what it means to lay down our lives, your life, for us. And you would call us your friends. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would... Forgive us <laughs> where we've gotten so busy and gotten so distracted with the things of life, Lord. That we've forgotten to be faithful, to, be tra- to trust you with our finances. And I just pray, if that's you, you can pray under your breath there. If you kind of find yourself in a place of distra- you're distracted. And you haven't trusted God with your finances. You've been taking things in your own control. Just ask the Lord to forgive you right now. Take a moment and just begin to ask the Lord. Just to give you the strength to provide for you, to show you. Lay down your needs to him. He knows your needs. He wants to provide for you. Why don't you take a moment and begin to talk to him about your financial needs. He is faithful. He is able. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to serve you. I know in this room there are needs represented, financial needs, and I pray specifically today for finances, people that are needing job promotions, people that are needing raises, people that don't even know how to pay the next payment, the next mortgage. I pray in the name of Jesus, as we are faithful to you, that you will open the windows of heaven for them on their behalf. I ask that even this week, Lord, that you, oh God, will bless, you will increase, you will surprise your people with blessings beyond measure. As I continue to pray, I want to read this scripture. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of Benzevin's army. I declare the word of the Lord that the heavens will be open for those that are faithful, that the windows of heaven will be open. Pour out your blessing that there's not room enough to contain it, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This is a week of miracles. Expect God to come into your life, for God to provide for you. I tell you, he owns everything, and he can make a way where there seems to be no way. I want us to worship the Lord with this couple songs here, and I'll come pray uh, and close the service here.